I want to start this week's podcast with a, a portion of the reading from yesterday. In Luke 10, verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So you have Jesus entering into a house. Martha is serving, which is a great thing. I mean, we're supposed to serve. I mean, the Savior just walked in. You want to serve him. But but she's saying, you know, can you get Mary over here to help me? And, and what the Lord answers is, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Like there's so many things in your mind that you're concerned about, but there's only one thing that's necessary. And Mary, Mary's chosen that. She realized, I have the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. Meanwhile, your mind is on all these other things that are, that, that are fine. I mean, you're even trying to serve him, but he goes, there's only one thing that is necessary. It's to sit at his feet and to listen to him. Do you understand? This is the purpose of this podcast is... I hear so many people talking about different strategies and, and different books and different speakers and this and that. And I hear so rarely do I hear people talk about just sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. You know, that rarely do we hear people saying, gosh, this morning I was just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. I, that's what reading the word of God is every morning. It's you doing the one thing that is necessary. Don't you see the enemy wants you anxious, doing all these things, thinking you're serving the Lord when he says, look, the greatest command is just to love me with all of your heart. All your soul, all your mind, you just sit at my feet, listen to my words. It's the one thing that is necessary. This is coming from our Lord, our master. I mean, if your boss at work says, look, I just ha I need to get one thing done for me. Can you get this one thing done? Can you get this package, you know, off FedEx off to this address? That's it. The rest of the stuff can wait. Just get this one thing done. We would take that so seriously. And yet here is the Lord saying, here's the one thing that's necessary. It's interesting that, that David uses those same words and in Psalm 27, when he says, this is the one thing I ask, one thing that I seek, is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is what I'm after. And so rarely do we hear people talking about this one thing and how wonderful it was because they started the morning out doing that one thing. Well, 
my hope is to change it. I would just love to hear this become the, the normative speech for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, that we talk about how we were with him this morning, how we heard from him, and it gave us direction for the whole day. So hopefully you're doing that, and uh, hopefully this uh, motivates you. And even just hearing uh, other people talk about what they got from the Word of God. Last week I had my wife share some things that she had learned from the Word of God. In the future podcast, I'll have other people sharing things they got from the Word of God so that you see that people all around are spending time alone with God and loving it. They're reading His scriptures and Again, if you if you don't have the app uh, that we're following, it's the Read Scripture app. Um, it just has a daily reading for every day and uh, some videos. It's all free. It just we just want to see people getting alone with God and in the Word of God. But a- after after that passage that where I, I hope you just remember that picture of the busyness of of Martha and Mary sitting at his feet. Get that picture in your mind. And right after that, in chapter 11 of Luke, it says Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So so you get that? Right after he talks about this, uh, Luke talks about how Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples says, teach us how to pray. I mean, John taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus you would you teach us how to pray and then jesus says to him in verse 2 when you pray say father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation so as we emphasize our need to get alone with god to hear from him through his word, to speak to him through prayer, then this passage becomes huge to us because the question is, okay, well, how should I pray? Here are so many people pray so many different ways, but what if Jesus told us how to pray? Doesn't that just... Doesn't that just trump everything else? It doesn't matter, you know, how this guy prays or this person prays. What did Jesus say? That's why, again, we're spending time in the Word of God. Because what Jesus said, these are His words. They should be elevated over everything. I don't care what professor, you know, says what. I don't care what your parents say. I don't care what your pastor says. I don't care what your your wife, your husband says, your children say. It doesn't matter what the majority, the vast, vast majority of the world, doesn't matter what they say. Here is what Jesus said, so it is on another level. It says, let every man be a liar, you know, but God is truthful. And so what does Jesus say? Here's how you pray. Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. That's the way Jesus tells us to pray. 
He says, call him Father. Abba. And pray, hallowed be thy name. God, I want your name to be holy, sacred. The fact that I'm talking to you, God, I'm talking to the sacred, holy, amazing being. And God, it's the desire of my life that everyone on this earth would see you as sacred. That when they say the name of Jesus, there's a sense of... When, when, when you think about Yahweh God, there's a sense of awe. Like, I can't believe we get to talk about him. I can't believe I get to speak to him. What if everyone on this earth saw him as sacred? Wouldn't that be awesome? If everyone took his, word of, his words as just holy, like he said it, we better just surrender to it. What an amazing world to live in. So is that the desire of your heart? Is this what you pray for? God, I would love this. And he says, your kingdom come. See, this is what I want. I want, I want your name to be great. I want to live in a place where it's about your kingdom. It's not about everyone building their own kingdoms and their own stuff, but everyone's about you. But is that the desire of your heart? God, I just want to, I want to elevate you as holy. I just want your kingdom here. See, so often we pray, we just get into so many different things. This was so convicting to me because I'll jump into all these other things and not pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Just hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. That's all. See, he wasn't asking for a lot, especially in the physical realm. It's not about physical stuff. God, it's about your invisible kingdom here. It's about people treating your name as holy. As far as food, just give me, I just want to survive. Just give me my bread to eat. Have you ever prayed that? I haven't. I mean, I've said the words, but I've never prayed that never prayed God just give me something to eat today because I've never needed and it's probably because I have too much you know I think about later in in Luke 12 when he uh, he says to to the people who who have means um, in Luke 12 verse 32 fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom sell your possessions and give to the needy. He says, it, God's given you the kingdom. So the possessions you have, don't worry, just give it to the needy. And I, I know I'm just really convicted about that again. Maybe we just have way too much. And so verses like, or prayers like give us this day our daily bread mean absolutely nothing to us because we don't take seriously God's command to sell our possessions and to give to those who are in need. The next thing he says, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. And that's it. 
But again, it's it's not about the physical. He says, look, I don't want to be led into temptation. And, and what does he pray for? He goes, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. It, it reminds me of, uh, of Luke 5 when there was uh, um, the paralyzed man. And what, what does Jesus say to the man who's paralyzed? He says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I mean, I mean, I mean think about that. Every, every time you read, when you read that passage the first time, and maybe every time you read it, isn't there a sense of, well, that's weird. This guy's laying there. He's paralyzed. Jesus comes up to him. Your expectation is Jesus heals him physically. And it's weird to you that he says, your sins are forgiven. It's been weird to me. But but that's the whole point is Jesus's kingdom was about this invisible kingdom saying, this is so much bigger. Why are you praying for these physical things? It's the spiritual. I mean, think about it. If you were laying there paralyzed and Jesus came, what would be your greatest desire? Would it be your desire to walk and take care of yourself? Or would it be your desire to be forgiven of all of your sins? This is huge. I hope your answer is, well, I... I want, if I really think about it, I want to be forgiven more than anything because this is eternal. This is about coming before God to be judged at the end of your life and to know to know that all of that's been paid for, all of that is forgiven, and he's going to receive me eternally. That's way bigger than being able to walk for a few years on this earth and then walk straight into hell to pay for all of my sins. I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. And so that's, that's why this prayer just reminds us how we can get caught up in the physical. And he says, no, here's your prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Just give me my daily bread. But forgive me my sins. And I forgive everyone who sinned against me. And lead us not into temptation. God, I just don't want to do the things that you hate. Here's my prayer life, God. I want to be holy. I don't want to do the things that you hate. Get me away from those things. I just ask for forgiveness for those things. No, just keep me away from all the things. Uh-oh, all the temptations this world gives me. Get me away from it. Just give me enough to eat today. I just want your name lifted up. I want people to see that I lift your name up. I want your kingdom on earth. That's why I don't want sin in earth. I don't want sin in my life. And also notice that when he prays, you know, when he teaches them to pray, there's a corporateness about this where he says, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. This was supposed to be prayed by by people who individually want this and then corporately come together that's what the church was about also make sure you understand me that when i say look i want you alone with the word of god it's so that when you come together with the other believers you have this in common that's the beauty of of reading scripture alone is when you come together corporately then you're not just sharing oh here's what i feel here's what i think it's like, no, here's what God thinks. Here's what I read this week. 
Here's what I got as I was praying to him and reading his word. Here's what I learned. And then we ourselves are sanctified and we come before God and we pray prayers that actually honor him. They're not about the physical. I mean, that was Jesus's teaching. That's what it was all about. When you read through the whole book of Luke, it's about this invisible kingdom that we care so much about. That's, that's why the, the, the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, when we uh, read in Luke 6, what does he say? He says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so your fathers did to the prophets. Again, look at what he's saying. Who's the blessed person? It's the person who gets it. It's the person who says, you know what? I don't care about stuff. I'm poor because I gave all my stuff away. He says, man, you get it. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. You sold your possessions. You gave to the poor because you weren't trapped by the things of this earth. Your treasures were in heaven. He says, blessed are you who are hungry now. Who says that? Who says blessed are the poor? Who says blessed are the hungry? Who says blessed are, are those who weep? In fact, we pray against all these things. Who says, blessed are you when people hate you? No, we worship popularity. We worship acceptance. And it's the person who's willing to be hated for the kingdom and doesn't care that, that he doesn't have a lot. He doesn't care that people, you know, hate him. It doesn't, he doesn't care that he's hungry or weeping. In fact, it says rejoice in that day and leap for joy when this is the pattern of your life. Why? Because your reward is great in heaven. You're focused on the things you can't see. You've set your heart on things above. So the stuff on earth, that's why, again, going back to the, where we started, Martha, Martha, you're distracted. You're anxious about all this stuff. And the more stuff we have, the more anxious we get. That's why let go of it. What do you think about all day? Is it earthly, physical stuff? But he says, when you, when you can suffer for the kingdom because you get that, wow, there's something so much greater coming. He goes, rejoice because you get it. That's the way your fathers treated the prophets. They hated the prophets. They hated these people who were willing to suffer for what was right. And right after he pronounces those blessings, he pronounces the woes. He says, but cursed or woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Please. Tremble at these words. Woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. 
If you are content with your riches, your meals, your friends, the laughter, your popularity, God says, woe to you. Because you've received everything you're going to receive. And this is the way the false prophets lived. It was for the things they could see, for things on this earth. But blessed are you when your mind is set on eternal things. And so the stuff on earth, you're willing to suffer here. You do suffer here. He goes, when you see yourself suffering for the sake of the kingdom, rejoice. Because you have a great, great reward coming. And you can be counted with the other prophets who've lived for all this time. And so we'll just stop there. I, I, I just hope that your prayer is like that which Jesus taught us to pray. That it's about the eternal things. If you need to make changes because you're anxious about so many things, maybe it's because you've just got too much going on and you're neglecting what's necessary. My desire is that everyone gets alone with the Lord every morning. In his words, sitting at his feet, seeing what's eternal, what, what matters, praying to him, the way that he taught us and, and somehow abiding in that through the rest of this day, the rest of your day, somehow even as you leave for work to still have your mind set on things above, still wanting his name to be hallowed, still seeking his kingdom. But to start off with the scriptures, the words of God, not anyone else, but his words. Read the scriptures this week. Dwell on them deeply and focus on his eternal kingdom.